Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Excited for this next week. It's going to be a big party in here next Sunday, so it'll be super fun. Uh, well, we are in the book of Isaiah, so if you have a Bible, just turn to uh, Isaiah 48. We'll start there this morning, and uh, we've been looking at this uh, section from Isaiah. We're not covering the whole book. We're looking at uh, chapter 40 to 55. Uh, this is arguably one of the greatest poems ever written. Within these 15 chapters, there's four songs of the servant And it speaks of God uh, calling the people back from exile at this time uh, that the people are hearing this book read to them. uh, They're all in exile. They're scattered around Babylon around 500 B.C. Now, Isaiah, uh, his ministry was 700 B.C. This is 200 years. So God had spoken to Isaiah of the coming events, not only of the exile, but of God establishing or wanting to establish a new covenant through this mysterious servant that he brings up in Isaiah. And we've been, last couple weeks, looking uh, at this section. Hopefully you've been enjoying it and uh, getting a lot out of it. Now again, when we read the Old Testament, we kind of have to uh, have uh, special lenses on uh, because we want to read it as, as, as if we, we were the Jewish people in exile. Uh, Sometimes we like to take our American eyes and just pull out the nice verses that we like and apply it to our life, but uh, we we, we can't skip the step of uh, hearing God's Word as the Israelites were hearing it and then maybe pulling some life lessons out of it. Uh, But things have gone off the rails for Israel, Uh, again, because of their sin and rebellion against God. Uh, He he allows them to be exiled into Babylon. Uh, God is not giving up on His creation, and He's not giving up on this covenant that He made with His people. And He speaks of uh, sending a servant. Now, in this section, uh, the word servant comes up numerous times. Sometimes God is referencing His nation, Israel, as being His servant. Uh, My nation that will serve the rest of the nations on the planet. But then in these songs, in these, in these four or five songs that specifically speak of a coming servant, one that God would send to make all things right. And as the servant from this section is the focal point, becomes the focal point of the covenantal purposes of God. Like this servant is going to now be the focal point and that's why I'm calling you back. Jews scattered around Babylon, I'm calling you back to Jerusalem, for I'm going to do a new thing. And there's really uh, two kind of long-term visions. There's two visions that God is communicating. A long-term vision that we find in this section is that God is going to establish a new creation, a new covenant through His servant. But then there's also kind of a short-term vision of, hey, but I need you to come back to Jerusalem And rebuild the city first. And so we left off as God was addressing the nation of Israel's stubbornness. That's where we left off last week and that's where we're going to pick up today. This is 
God speaking to his people. Isaiah 48 says, I know how stubborn and obstinate you are. Your necks are as unbending as iron. You are hard-headed as bronze. That is why I told you ahead of time what I was going to do. That way you could never say, my idols did it. My wooden image and metal God commanded it to happen. Meaning I'm going to do it in such a way that your lesser gods that you're believing in, it's going to blow them out of the water. I, you have heard my predictions and seen them fulfilled, but you refuse to admit it. Now I will tell you new things that I have not mentioned before, secrets that you have not yet heard. They are brand new, not things from the past. Again, God's calling them to come back to Jerusalem, not to relive their history. Not, uh, they, were, they were scattered, stop bowing to these little gods when God is the one and only God. He's telling you beforehand. He's doing something new. And one of the uh, l- things we brought up last week is God is addressing the nation of Israel saying, stop thinking as a de- dejected people in exile, clinging to what was once yours. No, get the big picture. Stop thinking about your own little identity and get your eyes on the great God who is transcendent and sovereign over the whole world. And respond to his message. Come out of Babylon and return to Jerusalem. The doors are open. I'm calling you back home. Your exile has now officially ended. We come now to the second of the servant songs in Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, verse 1. Listen to me, all you in distant lands. Pay attention, you who are far away. The Lord called me before my birth, and within the womb he called me by my name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, you are my servant Israel and you belong to, you, you will bring me glory. I replied, but my work seems so useless. I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks. The one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him, the Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. And he says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Interesting dialogue between the servant and the Lord and his commission, that he's not only there for Israel, but he's not only going to bring Israel back, but he's going to bring and be a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. This coming royal servant has a royal prophetic ministry. His words are sharp. His words of judgment are as sharp as a sword. But the servant embodies the Israel that God was desiring all along. God is going to accomplish this for his people, Israel, because they can't do it for themselves. And so he's going to send a servant who's going to perfectly honor God with the covenant. Again, the promise was not just getting them back to where they were, but to come back to Jerusalem for the things that would astonish them, things that they've never even imagined. The sovereign servant. And this leads from 49 to 50, the third song, 
And it's this, the sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me and I have listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. I, I offered my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have my, set my face like a stone determined to do his will, and I know that I will not be put to shame. He who gives me justice is near. Who will dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. See, the sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moths. Who among fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. Tremendous detail about this, this coming servant that God is going to send. He's going to be one that has wisdom. He's going to comfort the downtrodden. Morning by morning, it says that he wakes and he spends time with the Lord and his communion with the Lord, and then he goes and teaches the people. But yet, within this picture, there's a tremendous, there, there's, there, it just kind of pivots to that, that there's going to be suffering, that there's an utterly big cost to, to this servant. It appears that it's going to be painful. It's going to involve suffering. However, the Lord is going to be with him through it all and will vindicate him. The servant is able to trust God and will endure to see what God will do with his words and his suffering. Who obeys and relies on the voice of his servant? These are my people. My people are those who hear me and obey me. Not hear me, come up with their own opinions about what I think I meant and come up with your own ideology and think that that's honoring God. It's not. It's giving in to the same lesser gods of Babylon that these Israelites were giving in themselves. But here, this, this servant that comes that seems to bring light into darkness that exemplifies trusting in the Lord and not trusting in the schemes of man. And from here, in this section, this, the pace kind of quickens in chapter 51. And the Lord constantly and consistently reminds His people that He is their creator, their sustainer, their provider, their protector. And it's as if, in their stubborn little hearts, they hear God and still say, I don't know about that. You know, even us, it's just the, just the nature of human beings is that when God trusts me, trust me, there's still a part of us that says, God, but I actually have more confidence in my own plan. And so God is calling this out of them, this, this fear that he sees in them. Two more significant scriptures that I wanted to kind of zero in on this morning. And it's in Isaiah 51, verse 7. God says this, Listen to me, you who know right from wrong, you who cherish my law in your hearts. Do not be afraid of people's scorn, nor fear their insults. 
For the moth will devour them as it devours clothing, and the worm will eat at them as it eats wool. But my righteousness will last forever. My salvation will continue from generation to generation. Wake up, wake up, O Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. The, the tense changes here. Anyway, verse, it flips. Anyway, perspective. Wake, wake, uh, O Lord. Clothe yourself with strength. Flex your mighty right arm. Rouse yourself as in the days of old when you slew Egypt, the dragon of the Nile, Are you not the same today, the one who dried up the sea, making a path of escape through the depths so that your people could cross over? Those who have been ransomed by the Lord will return. They will enter Jerusalem singing, crowned with everlasting joy. Sorrow and mourning will disappear, and they will be filled with joy and gladness. Yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of mere humans who wither like grass and disappear? Yet you have forgotten the Lord, your creator, the one who stretched out the sky like a canopy, who laid the foundations of the earth. Will you remain in constant dread of human oppressors? Will you continue to fear the anger of your enemies? Powerful words. God's powerful fatherly words to a people that are locked down in fear because their hearts still love Babylon. And the insecurity that God is calling them to leave your comfort and your security and follow me back to the home that I made for you is very unnerving. And so he's, he's trying to remind them, okay, I'm calling you out, but the thing, that, the thing that's probably on your mind is the reproach of others. The opinions of other godless men or women around you that's going to have an opinion as to how you think or that you're going to, you know, you're going to go back to Jerusalem. Man, your temple's destroyed. That city is like laid waste. What do you mean go back? And so the Lord has to constantly remind them who he is and how strong and how powerful he is. And this is the point. Do not fear the reproach of others. Do not fear the reproach of others. And it seems that this battle that humankind has against the reproach of others seems to be a battle in every generation. That there's always going to be a contingent of anti-God, anti-Jesus people that are going to want to demand you change. Do not fear the reproach of others. God is, not, God is noticing and highlighting what he sees in their heart. I see that you're afraid, but in order to follow me, you're going to have to wake up and rise up. Do not fear those who are oppressing you or disagree with you. The church has for a long time feared other people's opinions and kept its mouth shut on a lot of things, thinking that we're actually loving by staying silent. That's not love. It's cowardice. And so we, as God's people in this generation, this is our battle as well. Do not fear the reproach of others because God is the one who made it all. God is the creator. God is the one. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He looks down upon the schemes of man and he sees them and he laughs. He laughs at the lies that people try to perpetrate over ourselves, 
our families, our society, they're laughable because they're not real in him. This happens in every generation. God made everything, and his question is, I made everything, and you're afraid of the rejection of your oppressor. So God's reply is, rouse yourself. Rouse yourself. You ever hear that word anymore? Rouse yourself? Wow, that was a rousing good time. It's like, man, that's kind of an odd word. But rouse yourself. Stir yourself up. Stand up and shake off the hold that the gods of Babylon have had on you. And maybe for our generation, it's the the American gods that have had a hold on you. Come out from it and turn to the Lord. And we come to the, well, I'll say this. That fear, God knows, that fear will keep you locked into place. That'll, that fear will keep you right where you're at. Turn back to the Lord and keep strong in his ways. We come to the last section. And again, we're making our way from, from 40 to 55. We're making our way to this ultimate climax that we'll hit next week in chapter 53. The servant that he's speaking of, that he's prophesying about hundreds of years in advance. He's going to get way more specific next week. But as we kind of come to this climax, the picture of the servant that God has alluded to throughout is, is kind of coming together with we get clues early on, but these clues are starting to add up to a portrait of a servant that God is going to send. Isaiah 52, verse 7. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messengers who bring of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. The watchmen shout and sing with joy before their very eyes. They see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. Let the ruins of Jerusalem break into joyful song, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has demonstrated his power before the eyes of all the nations. All the ends of the earth will see the victory of our God. Get out. Get out and leave your captivity from where everything you touch is unclean, get out of there and purify yourselves, you who carry home the sacred objects of the Lord. You will not leave in a hurry running for your lives, for the Lord will go ahead of you. Yes, the God of Israel will protect you from behind. Tremendous proclamation of a messenger that's coming to bring good news. He's going to bring salvation and peace with him. And this phrase, it says the uh, the news that the God of Israel reigns. This is the first time in Scripture that that statement has said, is said. The God of Israel reigns. It's this proclamation that now that the people of Israel have gone to hell and back, they now know or should know that God reigns. The ruins of Jerusalem will break into song. Man, I love the language in this. But this is the, this is the first time, like I said, but something's going to happen or something that's going to occur that's going to cause the people to say, God is king. Not just the people in Jerusalem, but the whole world 
we'll see what God does. And it's this callback to Jerusalem is the thing for which they have longed for for many generations. And if you were to hear this call, hey, come back to Jerusalem, there was another prophet at the time, a little bit at the time of Isaiah, and his name was Ezekiel. And Ezekiel, uh, if you are familiar with that book, chapter 43 is a beautiful chapter. Ezekiel 43 is a picture of um, Ezekiel, and uh, he said that the angel of the Lord appeared to him, and he brought me to the temple. And uh, I saw the temple, and it was rebuilt. And out of the temple came this river flowing uh, out from under its entryway. And, and this angel led me into this river that was flowing out of the temple. And long story short, as they kind of journey down this river, uh, it eventually gets too deep and the angel kind of pulls him up out of the river and he looks to see where this river is going and that river is going to bring healing to the nations. And it's this captivating vision is that out of the temple of God, this river is going to flow to bring healing to the nations. And so if you were Israel, like, man, is God going to do that? Hey, when we rebuild the temple, you know, hopefully his presence comes like it did the first time, but, but they rebuild the temple and God's presence doesn't fill it like it did the first time. And it leaves the people kind of wondering, man, when is God going to come fill his temple and fulfill this kind of word from Ezekiel, bringing healing to the nations? When is God going to do it? Is it going to be a pillar of fire again? Is it going to be clouds? Is, he going to, is it going to be something else? But God said, I'm going to do something new, something that has never been done before. Yahweh has demonstrated his power and has done what was necessary because he does, the ends of the earth shall see the salvation and victory of God. It's going to impact the whole world. And he ends here in the same posture that he delivered the nation out of Egypt, the first exodus. This is now a, a second exodus that he's calling people out of Babylon to come back to Jerusalem, come back to the promised land. And, and he gives the same promise as he did to the nation of Israel in Egypt. Hey, I'm going to go before you. And I'm going to be your rear guard behind you. Man, I'm going to go pre prepare the a place for you. And I'm going to be your defender along the way. It's beautiful. And so to sum up this coming servant that God prophesies about, God is going to put the world back to right because of this servant. He's going to bring God's chosen people back to himself for the Lord will give him strength uh, the Lord sends his servant not only for Israel, but to be a light to the Gentiles. His servant will bring wisdom and comfort to his people, yet he will suffer and experience pain and ridicule. And with this servant comes peace and salvation and deliverance. Man, that's great news. Because without a deliverer, we are lost to our own brokenness with no remedy, no salve, no healing. We just become more and more broken, more and more fragmented, more and more deluded. Do not fear the reproach of others. Come out from under that and come up under the strong arm, the strong protectant arm of the living God. 
And I think God's message would be kind of the same, same for us today. Do not fear the reproach of others. Come out of the culture, that you're, you're, the ties that the culture around you has on your heart and in your life and submit and come under the lordship of God because only in him will you find peace and salvation and comfort and deliverance. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, that before hundreds of years before you sent Jesus, your son, your, your chosen servant, that you did fulfill. God, we can look back and see you are a promise keeper. You're a covenant-making, promise-keeping God. And God, we thank you and remind ourselves that, God, you never fail. God, when you make a promise, you pull through. God, when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. God, when your word says something, God, that makes it true in reality. Father, I pray that, Lord, if there's any of us, that, Lord, when we hear that reproach of others or that, that fear, God, we even sang about it this morning. God, we're not going to fear. We're not going to fear. But, God, there's... there's there's sneaky little fears that just kind of hang on or we excuse or we say, ah, oh, that's being smart or oh, we're just being concerned. No, God, it's all fear. And Father, I pray that you would put a finger on our heart that if God, if there's anything that we're afraid of, our own reputation, um, God, our own name, God, whatever it is, God, that we would lay it at the foot of your cross to say, Jesus, you came and died an excruciating death for me to be set free from the dominion of darkness. And Father, I pray that we would, God, if there's any of us that's given into that fear, God, we repent in Jesus' name. Father, we gave into the lie that the opinions of others matter more than the creator of heaven and earth. And Father, I pray that you would write our perspective right now in Jesus' name. Father, that your word holds the greatest weight, not the word of a godless person. Father, I pray, or even friendly fire. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I pray that you would entrench us confidently in the power of your word, in your presence, in your truth, and that we would be people in this generation Lord, as you're calling Israel out of Babylon, that, Lord, you would call us as equally out of our culture to be your chosen, set-apart people, God, to bring life, to bring love, to bring forgiveness, to bring the gospel to bear in our generation. So, Father, we need your boldness, God, we need your courage, God, we need your strength to be the people that you've made us to be for this hour. Father, we live in interesting times. But God, what a privilege to be alive in such interesting times. God, because it's in those times that you call out us to be your people in bold ways. But in Jesus' ways, not in the ways of the world. So Father, I pray that you would seal our hearts off from the reproach of others. And Father, let us be solidly secure as sons and daughters of the living God. Father, may we walk with your spirit, walk with your humility, 
walk with your love. But God, we are, we are all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, with that, have a great lead up to Easter. We're going to have a great party here next Sunday. Um, join us for Friday. If you've never experienced a Good Friday service, I highly, highly encourage you to come and experience that. Uh, but with that, have a great Sunday. Amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org. And we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.